Let's pray and ask for God's wisdom and guidance this morning. Father, as we come before you, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. May we be challenged in our relationship with you. May we recognize the joy that we can have because of who you are. And Lord, this morning as we examine worry and trust, thinking on godly things and acting in godly ways, Lord, may we be focused upon you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, worry is something that I would guess every person in this room struggles with. If you don't struggle with worry, you should go on a speaking tour, write a book, and just be all around wisdom. Worry is something that that can control us. A study by a guy named Dr. Walter Cavert shared that only 8% of the things we worry about are truly legitimate concerns and things that we can control. In other words, 92% of our worries are things that are something that we simply imagine, things that will never take place, or things that are beyond our control. Now we know that worry can destroy us physically, emotionally, and spiritually, but we still worry. In our passage today, as we continue through the book of Philippians, in Philippians 4, 6-9, through 9, Paul shares the battle against worry. And he encourages us to pray, to think, and to act correctly. Let's look at these verses together. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, it says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Worry. The battle we have with worry and the fight that we struggle with each and every day between worry and trust. And here in these verses, Paul gives us some remedies to worry. He begins in verses 6 and 7 by reminding us that we need to pray and pray correctly. Paul shares this battle between worry and trust and remind us to seek God. Worry or anxiety occurs when our concerns turn unhealthy and they control us. We worry when we don't know and can't control the outcome. God tells us that we need to replace worry with trust. Psalm 34 verse 4 says, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You see, we struggle when we allow our emotions to control our thoughts and actions. But why do we struggle with fear? Why do we struggle with worry? Why is it so hard to trust God 
when our circumstances turn difficult. We allow our emotions, our thoughts to control our actions, but we must recognize that trust is a matter of the will. We must determine to trust God even when things look bleak. We also struggle when we doubt God, but we must be confident that God is sovereign, that He is all-powerful, that He is wise, and that He is loving. In hard times, it can be easy to either question God's actions, doubt that He cares, or worry that He can't control the situation. We have to ask that question. As we see wicked and evil things take place, we, we recognize pain in the world, suffering and death. Does God care? Is He in control? Those are questions that, that pass through our minds. Is He really powerful enough? Now, if we went around the room and asked the question to each person in this room or those watching online, say, is God all-powerful? I'm pretty confident that everyone would say, oh yes, He is all-powerful. But then as we face a situation in our lives and we, we wonder what's taking place, we may question God's power. But I think more often than questioning His power is, is questioning His concern. Is He really focused? I mean, God's got a lot of big things going on. Is He, is he really worried about my problem? Sure, it's big to me, but does God even notice? Is God involved in my life? Is He concerned about my day-to-day -day struggles. I believe he knows what's best, but is he concerned? Is he involved? Matthew chapter 6 tells us as Jesus was speaking in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, he shares the story of, of knowing that even when a sparrow falls, how much more would he be concerned about us? 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says this, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. We can be confident that God is in control, that he is sovereign, that he is all-powerful, that he is wise, and that he is loving. He is concerned about everything that takes place in our lives. And as an all-powerful God, He is the one that we must go to. We must cast our care upon Him, for He cares for us. I have a picture here to remind us of that, what takes place. What happens with us and God? Are we like the child, trusting the Father to catch them? It's interesting, as Jesus was challenging the people, oftentimes He would take a small child and He would say, you see this child, you need to have faith like that child. It's like the child that's willing to jump, trusting 
that his dad will catch him. We can trust that God is powerful enough and focused enough on our lives that he will be there to catch us. We must trust God. And how do we do that? We reach out in prayer, Paul reminds us in verses 6 and 7. Now our prayer that he shares about is to include several parts. It's to include worship, adoration. We recognize that as we focus on the majesty of God, that also helps us realize that he is powerful enough to handle our problems. But oftentimes as we pray, we get right to the requests. But we must step back and recognize who God is and to worship Him. The Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. The idea of recognizing the power and the character of God as we worship Him. Our prayer is also to include requests. We are called upon to ask. Asking shows that we're relying upon Him for our solutions. And recognizing that He is the only one who can handle the situation. But oftentimes we say, okay God, it's yours. But then when it gets really scary, we grab it back to ourselves and say, but I'm going to hold on to this. How foolish that is to handle the situation in our own power when we have the King of the universe the desires to walk alongside us, the promises that He will be with us. And our prayer is to include thanksgiving. He says that right there in verse 6, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. We honor God as we thank Him for all He has done and we're also reminded of His faithfulness in the past and that He will continue to be faithful in the present and the future. It's interesting as you read some of the Old Testament prayers as people called out to God, as we saw in the story of Jehoshaphat last week as we uh, celebrated freedom, our freedom in Christ. But as we looked at the story of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and as he prayed in verses 6-12, through as as he prayed and called upon God to help them. If you remember the end of that, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon You. But throughout that prayer, what did Jehoshaphat do? He reminded God. Now, God hadn't forgotten. But but he went through a list of all the amazing things, I shouldn't say all, many of the amazing things that God had done for His people Israel. And why did He do that? He did that to thank God for His faithfulness, but it was also a reminder for Him and the people that God had been faithful and that He would continue to be faithful and they could call out to Him recognizing that He was a faithful God who could be relied upon. I don't know about you, but in the middle of my hard times, it's so easy to to focus on myself and forget about the faithfulness of God. And so Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, 
with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. He is a faithful God that we can look to and we can rejoice in His faithfulness. And we honor Him as we worship Him, as we thank Him, and as we call out to Him. He will continue to be faithful. A great example of trust is found in the life of Daniel. And if you read through the book of Daniel, specifically the first six, ver- six chapters as it lays out some of the things that took place in, in Daniel's life, we see that he faced some incredible hardships. But in the midst of his trials, he called out to God, trusting God to handle things. One of those examples is found in Daniel chapter 6. Probably one of the most familiar stories. If you grew up in the church, you, I'm sure you heard Daniel in the lion's den, right? But let's step back and look at a little bit of what's taking place. Daniel was a, a leader under a, an ungodly king. But that, that king trusted Daniel and saw the power of God in Daniel. And so what took place, there were some other guys that were jealous of Daniel's authority and position, and so they set a trap, knowing the pride of the king, and so they they went up to the king and they said, oh king, you are an incredible guy, and we should make a rule that no one can worship anyone or anything except you for the next period of time next 30 days. Now, that sort of uh, got King Darius. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. So, they made the decree. No one can call upon anyone or anything else other than the king. Making him like God. Now, this was the Medo-Persian Empire, and they also had a thing, when it was made into law, it could not be changed. Well, Daniel heard the decree, but didn't change his actions. Notice what it says in Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Two things that these men recognized. They recognized the pride of the king, and they recognized the character of, of Daniel. They weren't surprised when Daniel prayed. That's why they set up the trap, because they knew Daniel was not going to change. His trust and his faith were placed upon God. And I love what it says in the middle of that passage we just read, that that he went, he heard the decree, knew what it meant to defy the decree, but he knew that he would trust God in that situation as well as any other situation. And as he had done before, 
he continued to pray. His habit didn't change because of his circumstances. And it's also interesting there that he prayed and gave thanks before his God. He didn't just pray and plead, God, help me, this horrible situation is taking place. No, he said, I'm going to thank God because I know he's been faithful in the past. And just as he's been faithful in the past, I can be confident that he will be faithful in my life today. And I also know that he will be faithful in my future. And so Daniel did just what he had done every other day. He called out to God, the one in whom he could trust. He could cast all his cares on God, for he knew that God cared for him. What was the result in Daniel's life? He had peace as he faced the lion's den. Now, God didn't reveal to him that he would be protected from the lions, but God, or Daniel knew that God would be with him as he faced them. The person who was freaked out was the king because he recognized that he had been trapped and his foolish pride had caused his friend and confidant, Daniel, to face the lion's den. But Daniel could go with confidence knowing that God was with him. I don't know what you're facing today, but you may be facing something that feels overwhelming. Just as big as a lion's den. But God is faithful and God will be there and walk with you through that. Don't be consumed by worry, but rather pray. And what is the result that we see in, in verse 7 here in Philippians 4? It says that the result will trust in the peace of God. Peace. What a wonderful word. There's many aspects to peace. In fact, in the New Testament, we see three different phrases describing or focusing on peace. First is the peace from God. And that reminds us that, that all true peace comes from God. He is the author of peace in our lives. John 14.27, Jesus was speaking and He says this, He says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because that peace is from God. But we also see the phrase, the peace with God, or peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and other passages talking about having peace with God. And that reminds us that we can only have a relationship with God through the peace that is possible through Jesus Christ. To have peace with God comes as we ask forgiveness and ask Jesus Christ to forgive our sins, to be our Savior, and His sacrifice on Calvary has provided the payment that is due because of our sin. And because of Jesus Christ and placing our faith in Him, we can have peace with God. 
The third phrase describing peace in the New Testament is the peace of God. That's what's used here in Philippians 4.7. It's a wholeness of heart and mind regardless of our circumstances. We can have peace in the midst of the storm. Remember Jesus and the disciples out on the water and the storm came up. And remember, many of these disciples were fishermen. They had lived a lot of, or spent a lot of time on the, on the sea. But they were afraid. But Jesus Christ was sleeping on the boat. We can have that same peace, the recognition that God is in control and we can trust Him in any situation. No matter how stormy the seas, no matter how choppy the waters, no matter how high the waves, we can trust God as we recognize the peace of God. And then he goes on in verse 7 and he says that this peace of God surpasses all understanding. It reminds us that that the peace of God cannot be fully explained. We can't wrap our head around it, but it can be experienced. It's given to to us by God as we trust Him. We have the peace of God in the midst of the storm. And then he goes on in verse 8, and he says not only should we pray correctly, but we need to think correctly. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We need to think correctly. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, You will keep Him, speaking of God, you will keep Him in perfect peace. Who? Who? whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Right thinking. And Paul goes through and he, and he lists a, a list, or shares a list of things to focus on in our thoughts. And the list begins with the foundation of whatever is true. As we look at the world around us, truth is being challenged in our culture today. We have replaced the question, is it true, with questions like, does it work? Or how does it make me feel? You know, I just just need a solution here. Does this work? Well, it may be true or not, but it works, so I'm going to go ahead with it. Does it make me feel good? But God is a God of truth. And His Word is a word of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to think on things that are true. We're to think on things that are noble. That is, things that are not mundane or trivial, but rather heavenly and worthy of awe. We're to think on things that are just. They're righteous in harmony with God and His standards. We're to think on things that are pure. They're morally clean and undefiled. We're to think on things that are lovely. They're pleasing and attractive before God. Things that are of good report. They are highly regarded. What do we think on? What do we spend our time focused on? 
Are there things that are noble or things that are trivial? Are there things that are just or righteous? Or are they things that are ungodly? Are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they of good report? You know, as we think about that, there's a lot of stuff that goes on around us that we need to just say, you know what? This isn't worth focusing on. Because when we focus on the rotten stuff, it leads to rotten things coming out. And Paul says, listen, you need to trust God. Don't be consumed by worry. Instead, look to God for the answers. But focus on God in your thought life. Are you thinking correctly. And he closes verse 8 by saying that we need to meditate on these things to give careful reflection. They need to be our focus. And it needs to be intentional. How are we spending our time? What are we spending our time thinking about? What are we putting into our minds? Because what we put into our minds is what's going to come out in our actions. And Paul says, think on these godly things. Spend your time focused on reflecting on things that are of God. Rather than things that are of this world or things that are just simply worthless and trivial. And then he ends in verse 9 by the challenge of correct action. How do we act? Verse 9 says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, our actions are the result of our thoughts. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Am I guarding my heart? Paul talks here in verses 6 and 7 about how our heart and our mind, our thoughts, our emotions, our will, we need to guard our heart. We need to guard what goes in because out of that will flow what we do. And we're to practice godly actions. It says that we need to do those things that honor God. What are our habits? What are we known for? Continuous action, habits. Paul challenged them 
And it's interesting, he uses four terms. He says, what you have learned, received, heard, and saw. Learned and received really go together. Paul was talking about the teaching that he had been giving to them. God's principles that they were to apply to their lives. But then the last two are heard and saw in me, Paul was speaking. Heard. His reputation, what they had heard about what Paul was doing. You know, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1 says that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And again, character is what really matters. But Paul's character was demonstrated, and so the people around him could not, around him could not say in truth wicked things about him. Now there were others that were trying to trip him up and spreading lies about him. But his character came out as he spent time with those people in Philippi and now as he was writing to them and reaching out they saw his heart, his joy, his prayer for them. And saw in him. He was a good example for them to follow. That wasn't a proud statement. If you're a parent here this morning, you should desire that you live a life that your children can emulate. Now, not one of us is perfect. And there will be times when we all mess up. But we should live a life that those looking at us, whether it be our children or others, can see that we strive to live a godly life based upon godly thinking through God's power as we call out to Him. Do we act correctly based upon correct thinking? Recognizing it begins with the foundation of trusting God to be able to do it. Pray, think, and act correctly. And he says, and when this takes place, the God of peace will be with you. He goes around full circle. He had been talking about the peace of God that comes as we trust Him. But we can be confident as we pray, as we think, and as we act correctly that God will be with us. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, the hardships, we can trust God. And as we do that, we can lay aside that worry and look to Him. So as we close in prayer this morning, I want to encourage you. Maybe there's something in your life that you are worried about. Something that is consuming you. Give it to God as we pray this morning. And just call out to Him.
God worthy of our worship and thanksgiving and say, God, I can't handle this. Help me to give it to you and trust you to handle it. And I will praise you and I will look to you for my strength. Because when I cast my cares on God, I can be confident that he cares for me. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your faithfulness. Help us today to recognize who you are. To recognize the blessings that we have in you. And Lord, as I know many in this room and watching may be going through hard times, I pray that they would see hope in you. For each one of us, that we would think and act correctly as we trust you. And we will give you the glory and the praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.